Hi, my name's Clayton, and you're listening to the Isaiah 43 podcast, where we explore how God has formed us, redeemed us, and how He calls us today. Each week, we will journey through Scripture to understand all that God has done and what exactly His call is for our lives today. This is week 34, an apologetics week, where we will combat the world's lies with God's truth. Before we begin our discussion, however, I have some unfortunate news. Recently, we have run into some technical difficulties and can no longer access the email address that we used for communication. We are working on a solution, and Lord willing, by next week, we'll have something resolved, along with some exciting announcements. Now, let's dive in. This month, we continue our study of sin, particularly how a Christian should respond to sin. This week's topic is one that many Christians are divided on, and for good reason. It is a sin that many have and continue to struggle with. In fact, as I was preparing for this week's episode, I got into a conversation with a good friend of mine who had a different opinion on the matter than I did because he had a past struggling with this sin. And perhaps this is a sin that you've struggled with as well. Of course, this is an apologetics week, so we must dive into this week's topic to combat the world's lies. But what is it that we're going to discuss? Well, the question is, can a Christian drink alcohol? Now, I should clear something up right away. I've been calling it a sin so far in the episode. So today we have to answer two questions. A, can a Christian drink alcohol? And B, is drinking a sin? We'll answer both of these as we journey through today's episode. But what does the world tell us on this topic? The world tells us that there is nothing wrong with drinking, especially in social contexts. It tells us that there are health benefits to little to moderate drinking. But there are health risks to drinking a lot. It tells us that there's nothing wrong with getting drunk if you want to do that, because, hey, there's nothing wrong with cutting back and having a little fun and getting a little wild. But does the Bible share these sentiments? Well, no. And yes. The Bible, as we will read, indicates that a little drink is a gift from God. But the Bible most certainly condemns getting drunk and the sin associated with that. It is listed as a sin that prevents one from inheriting the kingdom of God. Now, as usual, for Apologetics Weeks, we will start out with the scriptures and what they have to say. Then we'll jump over to what apologists, scholars, and preachers have had to say on the matter. This is a complicated issue. The only way we can navigate through the complicated issues in life is to pray. So, let us pray. Father, we come before your holy throne, and we ask that you give us guidance, assurance, and satisfaction with what we are going to study today, Father. It's not an easy answer, it's not an easy question to tackle, Father, but through your word and through your wisdom, Father, we pray that we will come up with a sufficient answer. As your scriptures guide us, as your word, your holy and inspired word guides us, Father. Please teach us this day. Open up our hearts so that we may receive you, and open up our minds so we may receive your knowledge, Father God. Forgive us for our sins, the past, present, and the ones that we have yet to commit, Father. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, where do we start for the scriptures reading today? We're going to start in the Psalms today. Now, as we have lately, we'll be reading from the ESV or English Standard Version. So, Psalm 104, verses 14 and 15. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. 
Now, these are some verses that I want to return to later. In fact, one of the apologists that we are going to look at actually has something to say on these verses, but we'll get there eventually. Keep them in mind. For now, let us move to the next verses that we're going to read for the day. We're going to jump over to Romans chapter 14, verses 20 through 23. Let's read these verses, and then we'll discuss them a bit. So, Romans chapter 14, verses 20 through 23. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Before we get too far into these verses, there are some other verses that I want to dive into that give us a similar message. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 23-33. through 33. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any questions on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner, and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any questions on the grounds of conscience. But if someone says to you, This has been offered in sacrifice, they do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you, and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of of that for which I gave thanks? So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. Our verses in Romans will come up more with a different apologist, so we'll discuss that later. Now, I promise that isn't something that's going to happen with each of these verses that we're going to read, even if it seems that way. What I will say here is that we need to see that if we are drinking around other Christians who have struggled with this addiction, then we are committing a sin, even if we ourselves do not struggle with it. We could be tempting a fellow believer in Christ to commit a sin, and that's never okay. We also need to know that despite whatever I say today or what any other Christian teacher may say to you about drinking, what matters on the issue is this. If you believe that drinking is a sin, or wrong, and you do it, then you have violated your conscience and thus committed a sin. This applies to cussing, smoking, or whatever it is. They may not be directly condemned in the Bible, though they kind of are, but again, that's outside of what we have time for today. But if you believe that is wrong and you do it, then you're committing a sin, and that's obviously wrong. But speaking of being directly condemned, the Bible does directly condemn being drunk. It tells us very clearly that those who get drunk will not inherit the kingdom of God. We find this again in 1 Corinthians. So let us turn there now. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, 
You are sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I think that's a good, very good stopping place for us with the scriptures for today. Now I want to dive into what apologists, preachers, and theologians have had to say on this subject. First, I want us to turn to the late R.C. Sproul. Sproul was an excellent teacher, reformed theologian, and founder of Ligonier Ministries. Sproul, in an article titled The Guilty Conscience, located on Ligonier.org, said, quote, We may be objectively guilty of sin, and yet feel innocent because repeated sin has made us callous to the pangs of conscience. For example, our society's distortion of human sexuality becomes increasingly visible the more people feel the logical consequences of the so-called sexual revolution and its blatant casting off of the shame attached to premarital sex. It is also possible to have a guilty conscience when no objective guilt is present. Some people, for example, may be convinced that consuming alcohol is against God's law. Yet while Scripture condemns drunkenness, it nowhere says that consuming strong drink is in itself evil. In fact, wine, not unfermented grape juice, is viewed as a gift, a good gift of the Lord. False guilt attaches to many people in this area because some traditions have prescribed a rule against alcohol, when no such law is present in the Bible. However, this particular distortion of guilt feelings can be complicated since authentic guilt may occur even if a person drinks without ever becoming drunk. God's word says that whoever does not proceed whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. If a person believes that consuming alcohol is wrong and takes a drink, he has transgressed what he believes is glorifying to God and has therefore chosen sin over his love for God. The sin is not in the drinking of the wine itself, it is in violating the conscience. End quote. Now, as usual, Dr. Sproul does an excellent job teaching and explaining things to us. Meanwhile, we have our old friend John MacArthur. MacArthur has made numerous appearances on this podcast. Well, in name only. He has never actually came on the podcast, though I would certainly love to have him. Nonetheless, MacArthur has a sermon from 2012 titled Christians and Alcohol. It is an excellent sermon, and for the sake of time, we are only able to take a look at a small portion of it. But MacArthur states, quote, Most drinkers, then, are binge drinkers. They drink to get drunk. So any encouragement to drink ends up encouraging binge drinkers because they're the largest percentage of people who drink. And they're the most self-destructive and the most destructive of other people. In the face of that, it is amazing to me that we now have a generation of young so-called self-styled pastors encouraging their young people to drink alcohol. One very prominent pastor, Mark DeScroll, repented publicly for not drinking alcohol sooner. There's a book written by Darren Patrick called The Church Planter. It's a book written to this young generation of sort of entrepreneurial pastors, and in the book he says the biggest problem among these young pastors is drunkenness. And he actually says, if you're having a problem with alcohol, take a break until you get control of it. Have you ever heard in your life in the history of the church that a big problem among pastors was drunkenness? This new freedom, this new liberation is damaging. Pastors shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be advocating that. What they're telling those kids to drink isn't anything like what was going on in the scriptures. They might as well tell them to have slaves. One of their favorite verses, and I don't have time to go through all this, but I'm going to stop. The clock's not right, so it doesn't matter. Someone turned it in the wrong direction. Plus, it's not working. Just one other thing. Psalm 104. See, if I give it to you tonight, you won't ha- won't have to listen to it another time. Psalm 104, and this is just a point to be made. 
Psalm 104, they love to point this. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and the vegetation for the labor of man, so that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine which makes man's heart glad. So they say, see, it's supposed to have a buzz. It's supposed to make you happy. Ah, no, that's not what it's saying. What makes the heart glad here? I mean, look at it. It's obvious. The grass grows and the cattle flourish. The crops and vegetation grow under the labor of the farmer, and food comes from the earth and wine of all which make the farmer happy. Why? Because his cattle are healthy. His crop is growing. His vines are producing. That's what makes him happy. This isn't about being silly drunk. There are terrible things being advocated, and verses like that are used as support for no reason whatsoever. Somebody else used the argument I read, Well, drinking's like eating. You're in trouble if you overdo it. Really? Do you know anybody who's dozed off the road and killed all the people in the car because they had one too many tacos? I don't think so. Tacos don't alter your conscience. Or somebody drove off a cliff because he'd had an extra slice of pizza? Or somebody raped a girl because he ate too many cheeseburgers? The potential for loss of sense, loss of control, loss of judgment, especially with youth and potentially f- potential for binge drinking addiction is so high. So in the Old Testament times, Rabbi El- Eleazar forbade saying blessings over any unmixed wine. According to the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, communion, last supper in the New Testament, and the tradition that followed out of it, was of highly diluted wine. Well, we're not surprised by that. End quote. As always, I think MacArthur explains it far better than I ever could. I highly recommend that you check out the sermon for yourself on the gracetoyou.org website. Uh, lastly, however, I want to turn to someone who I don't think we've ever really looked at here on the show, the late Billy Graham. Graham was a phenomenal and extremely influential evangelist of all time. He's probably one of the most well-known and prominent Christian figures outside of the New Testament. When it comes to alcohol, Graham wrote, quote, Many people are blind to the fact that one drink often leads to another. People justify the use of alcohol claiming they have perfect self-control. But often, social drinking becomes habit, particularly when suddenly faced with anxiety or disappointment. Reaching for a drink tricks people into thinking they can forget their problems, but reality comes storming back. There is a personal responsibility for the welfare of others, even if people don't care about themselves. For those who believe they can get by with an occasional drink, their example may still lead others to habits that they don't have the willpower to break. For those who encourage others in anything which brings about their downfall, they are guilty. Alcohol is the cause of many accidents. Just look at the CDC's statistics and be astounded. Innocent people are often killed by people under the influence while they walk away. Alcohol causes reaction to be slow. Killing others on the highway is still murder and they are guilty in the sight of God. Must treat our bodies with respect. The Bible condemns the use of any substance which alters or distorts our thinking, including alcohol which is the most common drug in ancient times. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Proverbs 20, verse 1. In Christ alone there is deliverance from man's tortured thoughts and freedom from the sordid habits which are destroying so many people. End quote. Now we've looked at the scriptures. We've looked at apologists, preachers, and theologians. But at the end of this, even I must admit that there isn't a clear answer. So I'm sure that some of you are probably scratching your heads and saying, so can a Christian drink or not? Well, in the simplest terms, I would say you can drink with several exceptions. First, you should never drink to get drunk. 
should never drink if it could possibly be a stumbling block for, for a fellow believer. should never drink to make it the source of your happiness, but rather your happiness and joy should come from the Lord. Taking co- a drink in the context of Psalms is that it's because the Lord has greatly and bountifully blessed you. And lastly, you should never drink if you believe you should. That's a sin. Now, it is also a sin to get drunk. Remember, Scripture very clearly lays out that those who get drunk will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And I hope this has helped and made you think about this subject some more. There are a million different ways people have taken this subject. But ultimately, I would pray and see where God leads you on this subject, if you have not made up your mind on it. Whatever position you ultimately take, remember this. Whatever you eat or drink, do for the glory of God. And until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. God bless.